for checking out this message from Spring Mountain. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, swimmountcf.co.uk. Or join us every Sunday from 11am at Abbey Road in Barrow and Furness. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, then please email prayer at springmountcf.co.uk. Okay, morning and uh, great to have you with us. If it's your first time, welcome. Um, I can see a few people, it's the first time, don't be frightened, okay? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not going to do anything weird, all right? Okay, honest, I don't think we are. God might, but we are not, okay? Um, what, you know, last week I told you to turn to your, 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 your person near you and say, you're not normal. I'm not going to ask you to do that this morning, okay? Um, because none of us are normal, and we've been doing a series talking about your God is too. So we had your God is too distant, in other words... You believe that God is far off, and actually he's not. The Bible tells us he's close, and when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. You know, we had your God is too safe. In other words, sometimes we just don't step out because we don't reckon that he'll catch us, and he will. He promises to catch us as we do that, as we follow him, as we trust him. And last week, we did your God is too normal. In other words, the Bible is full of things that happen that can't be explained other than God. And if your God is too normal, then he, he's not God. Because God is bigger than that. He is greater than that. He is able to do more. We've sung God is able. No, we haven't. We've sung you are good. I'm getting confused with the song. It's all right. But this morning, it's the only one where we're doing an opposite. Because that's a bit of a contradiction in some ways. So we did last week, your God is too normal. This week, this morning, I want to talk about your God is too strange. So I could ask you to turn to your neighbour and say you're strange. But that's not very nice. So we're not going to do that. Um, But what is... What is strange? Some of you are having a real juggle about why you're strange. That's fine. Um, what is strange? What is, if I said to you what is strange, the answer to that question is really it's something that's unfamiliar, something that's alien, something that, uh, or someone who is unknown. That's something strange. Something or someone that is unknown. So when I say your God is too strange, then maybe it's because we're not really knowing who God is. <laughs> And actually, you think of him as a strange... I can remember um, an episode of Outnumbered. Anyone Outnumbered fans here? Okay. Um, yeah, Stephen Sue. <laughs> there we go. Um, my sister believes it echoes her life because there's three of the children and there's two of them. You've got four and there's two of you. Steve, well, you know, Outnumbered. By th- At least you've got an even number of girls and boys. So that's fair enough, isn't it? Uh, episode of Outnumbered where they talked about stranger danger. You heard of stranger danger, yeah? The idea that, you know, a child in a situation will shout and point to warn others that there's somebody who's a stranger. And they'll shout, stranger, danger. And in the episode about Numbered, the children had been taught this. And then they went to the zoo. And the naughty middle one, if you like, wanted something. And his dad said, no, you can't have it. So he turned around to his dad and started going, stranger, danger, to, to get his dad thrown out of the shop and out of the park so that he could have his way. And strangers are things that we don't know. There is an opposite danger that our God is seen as too strange. You know, some of you might have come here for the first time and gone, we've sung a lot of songs, I expected there to be an organ. I expected Johnny to be in a a different outfit. Um, You might have come thinking, well, I've never experienced church like this. But actually, God operates in a way so that he will always be glorified. He operates in such a way that he will always be glorified. So if it's too strange and he isn't glorified, then I would have to say 
that's perhaps not God. Because actually, God wants to be glorified. And even the stories we read last week that were a little bit out of the, out of the ordinary, God was glorified in them, wasn't he? God was glorified and God was seen. You know, a, a, few, while, a few years ago, there was a, a phenomenon in Christian circles called the Toronto Blessing. And the church in Canada did amazing things. They spent, I think it was at least a year, every night meeting to pray that God would move. And he did, and there were some amazing things happened as a result. And the Holy Spirit moved. But there was also another extreme to that, where people started walking around making noises like animals. And I'm not here to judge that, and I'm not here to say, but actually, I don't know if God was glorified in that or not. But what I do know is, our young people from this church used to go to the Keswick Convention. And there used to be a late night evening meeting that was just fun. So I think Howard John Leroy dressed up in a sleeping bag and was a caterpillar race across, across the floor. So it wasn't deeply spiritual, okay, is what I'm saying. And they had a song that they sang there, and um, it was this song, it went, Let me see your funky chicken. Come on, anyone know this? Hilly and Alan, you must know this. No. You do, don't you? No. Okay, it went, let me see your funky chicken. What's that you say? What? And it was a call and response. You're going to have to help me here, okay? <laughs> Otherwise, Johnny is too strange, okay? Um, so he goes, let me see your funky chicken, and you'll go, what's that you say? We're sort of stamping time, okay? So let's do this. Come on, crowd participation is always good, okay? Right, so it goes, let me see your funky chicken. What's that you say? I said, let me see your funky chicken. What's that you say? I said, okay. Thank you. Now, if you thought God wasn't strange before he came here, you definitely think he is now. But that was their fun song. They used to do it every year, and it went on and on. There were several verses with different animals and different things. And an older member from this congregation went and filmed that because he wanted a record of it. And then when he got home to Barrow, he watched it back, and he phoned Keswick Convention to say, I'm really concerned that some of these extreme Toronto blessing things are creeping into the Keswick Convention. I've got video footage of the young people making animal noises and going around the, the hall making these chicken noises. And he was like, yeah, it's, it's a fun song, okay? It's like if I were a butterfly or something like that, you know. But actually, sometimes there are strange things, but I don't want to think so much about that I want to challenge our view of the God that you sometimes believe is too strange. And actually, sometimes that applies to who you are in God and who you are able to be. So we're going to look at a passage in Acts chapter 3. It's a very well-known Bible story for, for kids who went to Sunday school because there's a song about leaping and dancing and praising God. Okay? So Acts chapter 3, I'm going to read from verses 1 to 13. It will be on the screen. If you've not got a Bible, it's fine. Just follow. So it says this. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money, and Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. 
he jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. Okay? I think it's really interesting actually in this, in this passage. For those of you who don't know your Bible so well, this book was written by Luke, who was a doctor. So we see an incident of somebody who's been lame since birth being able to walk. Luke wasn't a fool. He wasn't somebody who wouldn't have checked this out. He was a doctor. He was an educated man. And actually, I find it interesting that that he he wrote this down and doesn't question it. And he says, no, they were surprised. Luke wasn't because he knew what Jesus could do. He knew what God can do. So they stared at Peter and John. You know, that's interesting as well, isn't it? I stand here at most Sundays and it's sometimes like I'm being stared at. Okay. Sometimes you glaze over and start going a bit to sleep. But actually, they were stared at because the man expected something. And we here this morning expecting God. Yes. Or have we just come into this place to sing a few nice songs and actually to listen to me tell a few funny things. <laughs> to tell chicken songs, yeah, absolutely. They stared at Peter and John, but it was God's power and Jesus was glorified in the process. I want to bring five points this morning that tell me that sometimes my God is too strange and your God is too strange. So five points. I'll be really as quick as I can in them all. Okay. First point is this. You think that God couldn't ever be interested in you or use you because of your past mistakes. If you think that, your God is too strange. Because actually, as we read this passage, I've had plenty of moments in life, and even recently, when I felt I'm not good enough. There's been times where I felt, you know, insecure. I've had moments in the last six months where I've experienced anxiety like I've never known. I've lay in bed a few weeks ago and I could hear the blood pumping around my head and I'm thinking, this isn't good because that shouldn't happen. <laughs> and actually there's times where I question my, who I am. But actually I keep coming back to God because I know he is bigger. And because God's word tells me that my past mistakes, my doubts, my fears don't stop him from being able to use me. Yeah? So if you think that God can't be interested in you or that God can't use you or that God, your view of God is the view that you perhaps see on, on soap operas or maybe sometimes even in the news, actually, your God is too strange. You don't know him. He's a stranger. He's a stranger to you. You know, Peter, in this story, was the man who shot his mouth off when he should have stayed quiet. Anyone do that? Yeah? Anyone, anyone put the foot in the mouth quite regularly? Yeah? Okay. A few people with their hands up willing to admit that. Okay? Peter sank instead of trusting Jesus. He sank when he could have walked on the water. He sank because he just thought of his own frailty, thought of his own mistakes. Peter refused to admit he even knew Jesus. 
How many of us go to work or college and go, oh, I'm not going to sell? What did you do over the weekend? I went to church. Some of us go, oh, I'm not going to say that. Peter denied knowing Jesus, even though he'd spent three years walking with him. And here we see a man who was a, a, a bit of a failure in some ways by the world's eyes, being used by God to do amazing things. So if you think God can't use you, you're saying you're better than God. Because he used Peter. And that's just one episode that tells us he uses the people who think we can't be used. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that says this, his, his power is made perfect in my weakness. And he uses the weak things of this world to shame the wise. If you think you're a bit thick, then join the club. You know, if you think you're a bit weak, then join the club. But God uses those things to show his glory. Because if it's in our strength, it's going to be all about us. If it's in our power, it's going to be all about us. Why would God treat you and me any differently? He wouldn't, would he? So if you think, I can't do it, God's not going to show up, God's not going to be part of what I'm doing, then your God is too strange. Because the Bible is full of him, using people like you and me, who think we're not good enough. When he says you are good enough, he says you are lovable, he says you are great, and I love you. You know, if he was, you know, he talks about him being our heavenly father, he has got your picture on his image. You know, the efforts you make, he sticks them there, even if it's full of, you know, when my kids make drawings when they were little, they spelt my name all sorts of different ways. I didn't rip it up and go try again. You know, they came to me with a nice, there's a picture Chloe draw. Chloe, tell you, see, I'm making mistakes in my English this morning. There's a picture Chloe drew that's on the inside of my wardrobe. And it's spelt wrong, totally wrong. In fact, actually, she once wrote me a birthday card and had to make some alterations. And it said, it said, to dad, but she'd put the D the wrong way around. So she wrote it again and it said, to bad dad. <laughs> you know, did I take that to heart and go, how dare you? How dare you be so offensive? No. Because even though she made mistakes, I love her. And I'm proud of her. And she amazes me. And actually, when she makes more mistakes, she's now 19. She's had 19 years of making mistakes. So, so have I. I've had 46 years of making mistakes. I know some of you are shocked by that revelation. <laughs> you thought it was more. <laughs> okay. But if you think God won't use you and show amazing things to you, your God is too strange. You don't know God. You're not getting that closeness. And you just need to say, God, I give you my weakness. I give you my weakness. He isn't interested in our mistakes. He takes our misses and imperfections and makes them hits. He takes our misses and makes them hits. He says, my grace is enough for you. You don't need anything else. My grace is enough for you. You've stuffed up. My grace is enough for you. You've... you've You've accidentally done something you shouldn't. My grace is enough for you. And my power, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Get to know this. Then it won't be strange when he asks us to step up. It won't be strange when he asks us to step up because we can be certain and know that he wants to use us for his glory and he wants to love you like you've never been loved before. Because he did. Jesus died, gave everything for you. Point number two from this passage you think you'll always be stuck and never be able to get up. You think you'll always be stuck. Any of you feel stuck in a situation at the moment? Any of you feel stuck in a habit? Stuck in a, a vicious cycle, a vicious, a vicious situation? Do you feel stuck? 
and unable to get up. We uh, recently went to Germany and uh, me and Ros went first. Yeah, ooh. <laughs> um, I've lost my train of thought now. Um, we went to Germany and we had decided we had a smart idea. We would park at the park and ride train station where it's free parking and it's quite a big car park and we would get the train into Manchester Airport. Cool, yeah? No stress, no nothing. We get to the park and ride, 10, 15 minutes before our train, good time. Not a single car parking space in the park and ride. Oh dear, what are we gonna do? So immediately we start scouring the internet for good parking deals at the airport. And actually, some of them need three hours warning. So we're like, we can't do that, we can't do that. We still had plenty of time for our flight. And in the end, we, we settled with one that said it was a park and ride and it seemed quite official. And we got to the airport, this man turned up and took our car. <laughs> and it all went really swimmingly. And we were like, this is great. When we came back with the children and landed at Manchester Airport, we sat in the terminal for over six hours, making several phone calls saying, where is my car? We're busy. We're busy at the moment. And I think this gang of guys set up this website, park your car in a village somewhere, and then leave it for the week and don't care. <coughs> And actually, I was stuck. We couldn't do anything. We were unable, we, we had plans to do other things, but we were left stranded and stuck. How many of us in our lives maybe are stuck in a place of difficulty? This passage and plenty of others in the Bible tells me that with God there is hope. There is hope. You're not stuck. There is hope. I won't leave you alone. I won't stop working for you or in you. Some of us feel stuck in sin. We think we'll never get out of it. This passage says otherwise. When we look to God, he will take us by the hands and lead us to where he wants us to be. This man had been taken to the gate every day. He'd been lame since he was born. We don't know how old he was, but he had been carried there, dropped there every day in order to make some money. And he was there every day, every day, since he was born. And he must think, that's it for the rest of my life. How many of us in that situation would think, that's it for the rest of my life, that's it, I'm stuck. I'm never going to get out of this situation. I'm never going to move away from begging. I'm never going to move away from just being sat by this gate, feeling useless, feeling pathetic. Having to depend on others for handouts, having to be expectant. For crumbs, you know, his expectation, his expectation in the story is to receive money. That's what he's gone to the temple for. He's gone to the place of worship expectant. But he wasn't expecting God. He was expecting something else. He wasn't expecting, he was just, he, he want, God wanted to give him more than he expected. Not just enough to provide for the day, but a transformation for the rest of his life. How many of you are expecting God to transform you for the rest of your life? Because this story tells me he will, and he can, and he is able. But we've got to look at him. We've got to pay him attention. It won't just happen. If we're stuck, we're just looking for the day-to-day -day coppers and crumbs when we could be prepared for God to change our circumstances and our stuckness, if that's a word. Peter speaks with authority to the man's situation. He says, look at us. There you go, made a few of you wake up there. Look at us. 
And this man probably thought, woo, never had that before. Normally people just pass me by. You know, when you walk past somebody who's homeless on the street, what's your general reaction? Do you try not to look at them because then you think, oh, or do you actually show compassion and do something? In a city, it's so hard, isn't it? There's so many people stuck in that situation. And so sometimes you start thinking, well, I can't even look. This man was told, look at me. Look at me. He didn't know what he was going to get, but he knew he was going to get something. And if you think God will leave you stuck, you don't know God. Your God is too strange. Because God will not leave us stuck. He will either change your situation or he will transform your perspective. He will either change your situation or transform your perspective on your stuckness. I love verse 11. It says, while the man held on to Peter and John, he's felt the strength in his legs. He's felt that strength grow and he's walked for the first time ever. He's danced, he's jumped, he's praised God. He knows he's healed and free, yet he still clings to Peter and John. He still clings to them because he thinks, if I let go, I might not be able to do this again. He doesn't think he can do it on his own. Well, he's not doing it on his own. He's doing it with God. He's doing it with the strength of God and God is glorified because maybe he wondered if the power was from the people rather than God. If I connect to this person, I'll be okay. If I stay with them and stay near them, I'll be fine. Do you know, it's about being connected to him and only him. It's great to be connected to others here because that's what support is. But first and foremost, you need to look at him. And we need to look up and say, God, I need to stay connected. I need to hold on to God. I need to stay close to God because he will not fail us. He loves us. But we need to look at him. I believe this morning God is saying to lots of us in this room, look at me. Look at me. You're stuck. Look at me. You can't walk. You can't move. You can't get up. Look at me. You think you're useless? Look at me. You think you've blown it? Look at me. You think you'll never be any different? Look at me. That's what God is saying to us this morning. Point three. You think that you should be financially well off because God will bless. You know, the church has got a lot to answer for in that way. So many people say, if you sow a seed into this ministry, you'll get four times back or 40 times back. The Bible's full of people who have nothing. The man says to Peter and John, I need money. What do Peter and John say? Silver and gold we don't have. It's not about the money, 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 as somebody famous once said. It's not about the money. It's not about the money. It's about his presence. It's not about the money. If you're chasing money today, you're going to be disappointed. Because even if you get lots of it, you'll still be wanting more. You'll still be disappointed. If you chase God, you won't be disappointed. You think you should be financially prosperous. God's word says there's no promise of financial success. There's no promise of money falling from the sky. But we've got something better. You can have freedom. You can have freedom. Freedom. Sound like Braveheart now, don't I? You can have freedom from the thing that you're stuck in. This man had been there all his life. Didn't happen Every day that somebody came past and said, you know what, I'm going to give you, you know, I'm going to see you walk. He had to wait. But he was waiting in a place of worship. 
He was waiting in a place where God was. And God allowed him to be free. Many of us chase the pound size. Would this man rather have had a few more coins in his bowl or to be able to walk? Yeah? Yet so often we fix our eyes on the things rather than the person. We fix our eyes and when he says, look at me, we're too busy looking at this, that and the other. We're too busy looking at our career, looking at our family, which is important. When actually he says, all those things will look after themselves if you look at me. All those things will look after themselves. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek first. If you're angry with God for not helping you win the lottery then your God is too strange because that's not what he's about. God wants to give you more. He wants to give you more. You know, the lottery, if you win it, eventually it can run out. God never will. God's love never will. God's provision never will. He gives what we need. His promises are priceless. Point four. You think that God is more interested in rules than relationship. You think that God is more interested in rules than relationship. You know, people think church is all about rules. Do this, don't do that. Stand up, sit down, keep moving. Do these things and you'll be okay. And while God gives us guidance and wisdom to make better choices, he's much more interested in walking with us. He's much more interested in walking with us. He doesn't want you to be a stranger to him. He wants you to come near and say, yes, I'm a child of God. And all we have to do is accept, you know, taking our hands, picking us up off the floor, rather than giving us instructions on how to get up. You know, if Peter and John had said, here's a four-point way of you getting up off the floor and walking, maybe the man had looked at it and gone, well, can't be bothered with that. They picked him by the hand and lifted him. God wants to do that to you today. And he wants to do that with you every day. He wants to walk with you, before you, and behind you. You know, remember this happened at the temple in the religious place. But those people were surprised that God did something. Do you know why? Because God was too strange for them. Because they didn't know him. They didn't know him. They didn't even believe what he could do. They stared in suspicion. Because to them it was all about following rituals. Well, Jesus died to change all of that. And Christianity is about a relationship with a God who loved you so much he gave his son. Jesus died so that we didn't have to be punished. He took our sin, the wrong stuff we've ever done, all our mistakes, and he paid the price for it so we could be free. And he rose again, beating it. And he's the only man in history that's ever done that. And this morning he just says, come. Come to me, all who are weary. Come to me, all who are stuck. Come to me, all who are looking around and seeing just chaos and despair. And I will give you rest. I will give you peace. I will give you love. I will give you joy. Jesus died to change everything. And if God is a stranger, then you won't know him when he acts. If God is strange to you, you won't know him when he acts. And many of us think we've got to jump through hoops in order to get God's approval. We don't. The hoops have already been jumped through by Jesus. We just need to come. The question is, are we willing? We say this every week, are we willing to look up, to look at him, to look at 
the one who can make the difference. Maybe we've been put off by other people and their extremes. Maybe you've been hurt by church. Maybe you've been hurt by religious people. You know, God, God cries over that. God weeps because he loves you. He doesn't want to see you hurt yourself. He doesn't want to see you be hurt by others. He loves you better than I love my kids because he's a perfect father. He's a perfect dad. He will never leave you. God doesn't want to be a stranger to you. He doesn't want to be an alien. He doesn't want to be unknown. He didn't come to give a list of rules that regulate how you behave, but he came so that you would know him. And the more you know him, the more we will know what he wants. And we won't be surprised when he's glorified in amazing ways. He's not about the rules. If he was about the rules, Jesus would have, should, should, by the rules, have stoned the woman caught in adultery. But he didn't. That woman, by law, should have been, should have been by Jewish law, she should have been dead. And Jesus was the only person able to do it. But do you know what? He didn't. Because he's not about the rules. He's about a relationship. And this morning he says to you, no matter what you've done in your life, no matter what you will do in your future, I want you to be part of my family. And I want you to look at me. This morning, the question is, fifth point, this man looked at them. And what happened? Freedom. What happened? Better than a few crumbs in a bowl, better than a few coppers in a bowl, he got life. He got life to the full. The fifth point and the most important point this morning is look at him. Don't look at me. I make mistakes. Look at him. This man had sat by that gate all his life. The gate called Beautiful. What a contrast there, isn't it? A gate called Beautiful and yet people would have seen him as ugly, as useless, as nothing. Do you know, God turns that around and says, this morning you're sat here and you're beautiful. You are precious. You are loved. How do I know that? Because he paid the price for you. He bought you back. And he said, I've given my all for you. There's no catch, just come. This question is, will we look up? If you're a Christian this morning, if you're stuck in a situation, look up. Look at him. Get support. And then do the things that he guides you in. Don't look up and then, this man was told, get up. If he'd have said, no thanks, you're all right. Or if he hadn't grabbed all these hands, he wouldn't have got up. It's like us, sometimes we seek God and we ask him and God says, I love you. I'll show you a better way and we choose to go, right, it's all right, I'll stay stuck. This morning, look at him. As we worship, as we pray, look at him. Let's pray.